Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Chapter 19. Uh, read. This is one of my favorite stories um, in all the Bible. I've preached on this before. And when we talk about, you know, the presence of God, there are many passages that you could go to. Um, but Luke 19, beginning in verse number one, the Bible says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy. The Bible wants to let us know he was rich. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And just for the next few moments, help of the Holy Ghost, I want to just speak to you from this title, The Power of His Presence. The Power of His Presence. Amen. The Lord bless you this morning. You may be seated. How many of you have ever, um, <clears throat> how many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, if God can help so-and-so, He can help anybody? Anybody ever heard that said? How many have ever said that? <laughs> right? Or said that phrase, so-and-so. Usually that so-and-so is never good, right? It's so-and-so is always a reference to people who are really good at doing bad things. That's who so-and-so is. When you say so-and-so, it is a person, they are famous, okay, for their skill in wrongdoing. That's who they are. They're amazing at sin. They, they sin frequently, and they enjoy sinning. Um, and you'll hear, you'll, hear, you'll hear people say, you know, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, so and You did hear about so-and-so down the street? Did you hear about them? Yeah, they messed up again. Yeah, they, that's, that's three failed marriages. All right? And this one, that, this one only lasted three months. Man, if God could help them, he could help anybody, right? Or did you hear about so-and-so down at that other church? I can't believe they call themselves a Christian. But can you believe what they were involved in and what they were wrapped up in? They should be ashamed of themselves, man. If, if God could help them, he could help anybody. I mean, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, honesty is the best policy, right? And, and here's the thing. Mostly good people like to look down on mostly bad people. They, they, enjoy, they enjoy the feelings of condescending pity or 
self-righteous outrage, right? We like to hold up these notorious evildoers as marvels of moral corruption, examples of just how bad people can get. And then we finish off our lattes, we load our kids up in the minivan, and we drive off down the street to put more into society, to contribute more. Uh, the problem, though, uh, if, with the if God can save statement is that that statement implies something. You know what it implies? It implies a rating system for sins. It's, it's an unspoken, um, often culture-driven, and wildly inconsistent badness scale or goodness scale, depending on who you're talking about. If you're talking about somebody else, right, or if it's you yourself that you're rating, it's a goodness scale, okay? I mean, our scale, we label, we label small sins, medium, medium small sins, medium sins, and then medium large sins, and then large small sins, large, large sins, all the way up to supersized sins, all right? That's our, that's our rating system. And so if, if we if we see someone with small to medium sins, we think, you know what, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, they're a pretty good person. I mean, they're, they're fairly sound and engaged morally. He's obviously close to Jesus. It won't be hard for God to get a hold of him. But nowhere in the Bible do we, do we find God distinguishing between levels of sin. God doesn't share our rating system. In fact, Romans 6 would have us to know that the wages of sin is death, right? Or, or is it the wages of big sins is death? The wages of supersized sins, the large ones, the bad ones is death. No, the wages of sin is death. And so, Obviously, I realize, you know, that sins have different consequences. So, you know, some will get you incarcerated. Some will get you punched in the face. And, and, and some, won't even, some won't even be noticed at all, right? But God just calls sin, sin. And we, and we, see, we see in the life of Jesus that he didn't have a rating system for sin. He was willing to accept anyone. He was willing to love Anyone. Nowhere is this more evident than in the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And I feel like anytime I talk about Zacchaeus, I have to remind you that it's Zacchaeus, not Zacchaeus. Some of you are judging me right now, like, it's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. We see this in Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And when you begin to look at the life um, of, of Zacchaeus, you almost have to you almost have to believe that he's a gangster, right? I, I mean, he was the chief tax collector, the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. And so the story goes, he tried to get a good look at Jesus, uh, but he was too short uh, to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass by. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus! He said, quickly, come down. He said, I got to be a guest in your home today. And so Zacchaeus climbed 
quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people around, the crowd was displeased. They said, he has gone to be the guest of this notorious sinner. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, if I have cheated people, if I, uh, uh, on their taxes, if, if I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, we read it this morning in our text, salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. It's an interesting backstory. Um, the Israelites of Jesus' day they looked at tax collectors as nothing more than thieves. Tax collectors were Jews who worked for the Roman government, which, which ruled Israel at this time. Their job was to collect taxes from their own people and hand the money on over to the hated foreign power, and their own income came from whatever they could get out of people after they met Rome's quota. So you can imagine some of the charges that was going out to these people and randomly, you know, so Zacchaeus and his fellow tax collectors, you know, tax collecting traders, they would make up these tax amounts on the fly. Zacchaeus was a professional at doing this. He was a professional cheat. That's what he was. An embezzler. He took money from little old ladies. I mean, he was a thief. He was not a good guy. He was, and the Bible lets us know he was a short guy. But don't be deceived by his stature. He had a lot of money. He was rich. And at some point, years before, he had been recruited by the Romans. He was probably a little bit of a prodigy. A, a, a young mastermind, somebody who was really skilled and somebody that they said had a bright future. He would have started out as an, a, an assistant to the tax collector. And after proving his worth, and he would have been promoted to tax collector. And ultimately, we find him in this story. He has become the chief tax collector. He probably oversees a, a tax district and a gang of many tax collectors who give him a cut of their take. And so th this makes Zacchaeus a, a, a major reject. I mean, he is infamous, legendary, notorious. And we wonder, how long has he been doing this? Two years? Five years? Seven years? I'd say longer than that. He's the chief tax collector. Ten 20 years, and I don't think he minds being hated. I really don't think that he minds being hated. In fact, I think he's, I think he's loving life. I think that's what Zach is doing. I think he's living high on the hog. I think he's up in the big house overlooking the city, lounging out in his pool while servants are fanning him and dropping grapes in his mouth. That's what I think is going on. Everybody fears him now. I mean, sure, they hate him, but at least they respect him. I mean, you can imagine back in grade school, I mean, nobody picked the short guy to play hoops with, right? He's the last guy to be picked, if picked at all, but now they're afraid of him. Zacchaeus is now the big guy. He's the big guy on the block, and the rumor was that Jesus might be the promised Messiah. 
So Zacchaeus, he's grown up in Jewish culture. He would have been familiar with the prophecies. No doubt he had heard that one day there would come a Messiah. There would come a promised deliverer. Now Jesus is coming through town, and Zacchaeus like, Zacchaeus like, I'm going to go check this guy out. I'm going to go check this guy out. He's getting a lot of followers. A lot of guys are talking about him. I'm super curious about this individual. I doubt, church, that Zacchaeus that day was running to Jesus saying, I hope he changes me. I don't think that at all. I, I don't think Zacchaeus was running to him saying, I hope that this man changes my life today. I hope that Jesus saves me today. Saves him from what? All his money? Save him from what? His big house? All the ladies that love him? He's not running to him for those reasons. He just wanted to check out the popular guy. Because remember, Zacchaeus was all about status. That's, that's what that, he was all about status. You don't become a tax collector and then a chief tax collector and not like money and not like status. He was famous in a negative sense, but famous nonetheless. So Jesus starts strolling through and People are lining the streets trying to catch a glimpse of him, and Zacchaeus realizes he can't see over the crowd. And so he, he, Zacchaeus is a guy who was used to getting his way, so he, uh, I could just picture him hitch, hitching up his blinged-up robe and, and getting to that tree and climbing up that tree just so he can get a glimpse of him. He climbs the sycamore tree, and sure enough, he can see the dust cloud that's, that's coming, and all the people clumped around Jesus, and he's rolling down the street, and suddenly Zacchaeus, can't believe his luck. Jesus stops right there next to the tree he was in. He's probably thinking, this is amazing. I got the best seat in the house. This is unbelievable. I'll be able to check this guy out right here, probably even listen in on the conversation that he's having with the crowd. And then to his surprise, Jesus looks up at him, and he calls him by name, Zacchaeus. You know, Psalms 23 is one of the most loved passages in all of Scripture because it comforts us with the image of a good shepherd caring for his helpless, mindless sheep. I mean, can't you just picture the sheep grazing quietly in the field while the shepherd walks among them, patting each one as he passes, and at just the right time, he stands and he calls them to follow him, and he gently chants as he walks forward one after the other. The shepherd calls out the names of the sheep. Every one of them has a name, and he knows them all. Each sheep hears that familiar voice and his own name and follows the steps of the shepherd. And then we find in the New Testament, Jesus said of a good shepherd, the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth him out. Then he told the disciples, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. What a precious thought to each and every one of us here today that Jesus knows you by name. Aren't you thankful today that you're not just a number, that you're not just a symbol, you're not just one in a series, but you belong to him and he knows you by name. I mean, what, what, what joy 
that should bring to each and every one of us. What security. Because I'm telling you, there's people that possibly walked in here today or walking in churches all over this country and all over this world thinking to themselves, nobody really knows me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm facing. Nobody knows what I deal with when I'm all by myself at night. But hear me today. Jesus is in this place. And if you'll just take the time, you can hear his voice today. And you can hear him calling you today. And you can hear him say your name because that's the God we serve. He knows who you are. Jesus looks up at this sycamore tree and he calls out Zacchaeus. And I think Zacchaeus was rather stunned. What? How do you know me? How do you know my name? Who, who told you about me? They say the sweetest sound of a human being's ears is the sound of his or her own name. There's something about hearing your name being called out. God calls this rejected, hardened, selfish man by his name. Zacchaeus, hurry down. I'm headed to your house right now. You are? Okay, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Uh. I think at this point in the story, Zacchaeus is relishing the moment. All the upright relish, religious Jews would, have, would like to have this opportunity. They all wanted a piece of Jesus. They all wanted a nod. They all wanted a handshake. Yet now, who's getting the attention? The chief tax collector. The biggest bad guy around gets a, a personal invitation. And the crowd didn't like it one bit. They began to murmur to themselves. Everyone's saying, no, that he's going to the house of a notorious sinner. I think Zacchaeus gets down from that tree and he's like, what's up, y'all? That's right. Over to my house. Jesus. He sends word to all his buddies. I just send the group text out. Guys, you got to come over. Jesus is here. Could be the Messiah. All of his little minions. Come over. Meet this Jesus. This is his moment right in the limelight. This is it. But that afternoon, something unexpected and something unexplainable began to happen in his heart. How long did he have an audience with the living God. How long was it? Was it two hours? Was it four hours? We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. What did they talk about? We can only guess. We can assume that they ate a meal together, and Jesus probably listened a lot. Zacchaeus must have thought to himself, nobody Nobody ever listens to me like this except for a few guys who work for me, but this guy sitting across my table, he truly, truly cares. He listens to me. He gets it. I can imagine Zacchaeus looking into the most compassionate eyes he's ever seen and thinking, does Jesus know who I am? Does Jesus know what I do for a living? Does he know how I paid for all this stuff? Does he know how I got the, the big flat screen on the TV? Does he know how I got that money? Does he know what paid for the fish that he's eating? 
Does, does he know how all of this came uh, to be about? Because remember, he's a tax collector, a person who was viewed as being a thief. And he's thinking, does Jesus know who I am? Does he know what I do for a living? Does he know how I get paid? And after a few hours, Jesus, with a few hours with Jesus, Zacchaeus can't contain himself any longer. He abruptly stands up, seemingly overwhelmed with who this Jesus is. And in front of family, in front of peers, and in front of employees, he blurts out, I'm changing everything. I'm changing everything, Lord. I'm going to start giving back. I'm going to give away. And if I have cheated anyone, I'm going to give it back to them four times. This callous, money-hungry tax collector is about to go broke. That's what's happening. And you know what? He doesn't care at all. You know why? Because a moment with Jesus changed everything about him. One moment in his presence changed everything. That's the power of the presence of the Lord. It can change everything. There are some people that you might feel trapped right now. You might feel trapped, and in this life, there are those who just feel like they're just stuck. They're stuck in the mud. They're stuck in the same habits. They're depressed by how their life has turned out, and the question, they question their very purpose. Life seems pointless to them, and it seems hopeless at best, and then the lie that says nothing will ever change. There's no way that you're going to be pulled out of this pit that you find yourself in. It's just going to keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper. But I came to share a word with you. Jesus offers a way out. He reaches down to give life a new path to follow. He has the power today to free you from habits. He has the power to redeem you uh, from, from past relationships and to give you a new identity. He's just looking for somebody who will give him a little bit of time. He's just looking for somebody who would just spend time with him. And I felt this word today. I wanted to go a different direction. There was something else that I had in front of me all together, working on it. And then at the last moment, God redirected my thoughts and put me on this. And this is what I want to share with you. And we've been coming into this new year and talking about getting to the basics and focusing on prayer. And that is, that is why I feel maybe that I'm in this vein this morning. Because that prayer, that spending time with him, getting alone with him, and, and, and spending time in his presence. Folks, there is power in his presence, power to change absolutely everything. He's just looking for people who aren't too busy for him. Because a life that's surrendered to Jesus is a life that's transformed. I wonder. I wonder what Jesus said in, in one short afternoon that changed a lifelong taker into this lavish giver. I wonder what exactly they talked about that day. What, what was their conversation? But that's, that's not the point of this passage. They don't give us the details. 
I think the Bible skips over what they talk about because I think, honestly, we try to turn it into a recipe or a program. All right, step one, this is what you do, and step two, and and I'm going to count to ten. No. We try to turn it into something and and, and, and some, some step sheet to follow. It wasn't what Zacchaeus talked about. It was the person he talked about it with. It wasn't what they talked about. It was who the presence. He was in whose presence he was in. It was about being with Jesus. What changed Zacchaeus? Religious duty? Deeds? No. You know what changed him? Just a few moments with God in the flesh. Just a few moments with God in the flesh. We don't even have record of anyone telling Zacchaeus he needed to repent or give the money back. But something came over this man when he encountered Jesus. And that's the power that's in his presence. When we fix our eyes on his majesty, his holiness, his greatness, his glory, his righteousness, his power, we become like Isaiah who said, woe is me. For I am undone. I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips and dwell of a people of unclean lips. Why was Isaiah feeling that way? Because he goes on to say, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Church, when you set your eyes on him, nobody really even needs to tell you to repent. You just realize for yourself how you have woefully fallen short of his glory because his presence changes everything. That's why it's vital that we have the presence of God in our church services. That's why it's vital that we have the presence of God in our homes, covering our family, in the car, on the way to work, on the way to school. We got to have the presence of the Lord, for without him, we can do nothing. We're just a mere social club. If we try to do it all by ourselves, we can do nothing without the presence of Almighty God. The truth is, We are all Zacchaeus. You may not be short in stature, but we can be short spiritually in our own ability, in our own capacity. Even if I want to get to Jesus, even if I want to see Jesus, sometimes I can't see past myself sometimes can't see past my error, my wrong, sin, past my distractions. How, how do we try to reach Jesus? Here's what we do a lot of times, and I'm asking for music to come. How do we try to reach Jesus, Bryce? You know what we, you know what we think the right answer is sometimes? Just run faster. We think the solution is to run faster and to climb these proverbial trees of religious action. We think sometimes, I'll get to him. I'll impress him with who I am. I'll impress him with how good I am and how talented I am. 
And I believe most people have a sense of inadequacy and, and failure deep within themselves, no matter how hard they try or what they accomplish. They know that they are in a dark, dark place. People are short in a spiritual sense. They have sinned and come short of the glorious standard. So they think, I'll just run faster. I'll run out, of, I'll run out ahead. I'll find a tree and I'll climb it and I'll get God's attention that way. We think to ourselves that it's our running. It's how it's our running and it's our climbing that gets God's attention. That's not what saved Zacchaeus. It wasn't the fact that he climbed a tree. It wasn't the fact that he was able to climb a tree. That's not what saved him. You know what saved him? It was God's mercy. It was God's grace. It was God's initiative. We sing the song, why do we love him? Because he first loved us. We think sometimes God stops and takes notice of us because he sees us up in our cute little sycamore tree. We think it's because we're so good. God, look at what I've done. Look at what all I've accomplished. See, God, I got you to notice. You see me? God, I know why you see me. It's because I came to church. It's because I ran the aisles. It's because I shouted. It's because I sang everything. I sang all the songs today. It's because I prayed this morning. That's how I got him to notice me. But that's not why Jesus stopped that day. He stopped of his own choosing. He stopped because he's gracious and because he's good. He stopped because he knew Zacchaeus by name, just as he knows me and he knows you. And he told him, he said, hurry. Hurry down. Quickly, quickly get down. He tells us the same thing. Hurry. Hurry down from religion. Hurry down from traditions. Quit trying to pick yourself up. Only my grace, only my grace can do that. Come down. Come now. Don't spend another moment. Don't spend another day trying to trust yourself. Hear the voice of God that says, I need to be with you today. I need to spend some time with you today. Would you stand with me this morning? Again, the Bible says, for without him we can do nothing. And so this story that we read, this factual, this isn't fictional 
This isn't some made-up story. Just try to give a point across. This happened. Hear the words of God come down from that tree that you're in. I don't know what you've climbed up upon trying to get the attention of God, but that's not why he stops and takes notice of you. Because it's not about us. It's, a, it's about him. It's not about your tree. It's about his tree. Jesus marched up Calvary's hill to be crucified just to make it possible to have a relationship with you today. He wants to spend time with you. While Zacchaeus spoke, Jesus must have been smiling to himself. But now he makes an announcement of his own. Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham, a true Jew. I can imagine Zacchaeus just stunned. He's a prototypical traitor. The bad guy, the opposite of a good Jew. And for as long as he can remember, he's been on the outside looking in, but now he's on the inside. Now he's a good guy? I wish I could have seen the look on his friends' faces. As they stood there thinking, if there's hope for Zacchaeus, there could be hope for me too. And then Jesus summed up his life mission. I'm here to seek and save the lost. That's why I've come. I'm here to seek and to save the lost. You see, the Pharisees, they thought the Messiah was only coming for the chosen few, for the sanctified few, for the religious few, the ones who got it all together. But Jesus said over and over that he came for the broken, he came for the bad, he came for the addicted, the bound, the deceived, the lost, the hurting. And a lot of times we are like Zacchaeus. Would you bow your head, close your eyes with me in this place? A lot of times we are like Zacchaeus. We've been at this sin thing for a long time. We got problems, weaknesses, propensities toward doing wrong. We've gotten a little scarred and numb to the whole thing, maybe even outright cynical. And some, we are like, we are helpless, hopeless. And sometimes we think even Jesus couldn't set us free. After all... <laughs> For the price, we've tried as hard as we can, but nothing has changed. He wouldn't see anything worth saving in us anyway. Sometimes that's what we think, and that's sometimes that's what the enemy wants us to think. And I don't know what it is that causes us to think like that sometimes. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a secret sin, something that happened years ago that no one knows about. Maybe it's something that controls your life, an addiction. Maybe, maybe people have told you you'll never change and you're starting to believe them. But I want to remind you, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. 
but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus is not your accuser. He's not your prosecutor. He's your friend. He's your savior. He's your rescuer. And like Zacchaeus, just spend time with him. Don't hide from him in shame or reject him in self-righteousness, but just come down from that place that you've climbed up to. Don't allow the opinions of other people to shape your concept of him. Get to know him for yourself. And I promise you, you'll get alone in his presence. You'll start spending a time with him, and you'll know. You'll come out of that prayer closet. You'll come out of that time with such full of confidence, full of the Holy Ghost, and know that God is good. That God is good. God is faithful. Have we messed up? Have we done wrong? Have we erred? Have we disobeyed? Have we gone against his word? You better believe it. But how has he responded to us? With nothing but kindness. He's a good God. He's a good God. As they begin to play and sing, I just invite you in the few short moments that we have left in this first service. Maybe just lift up your hands, lift up your voice, sing this song. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.